Welcome to the Seven Shifts Audio Series Interview Edition, where we sit down with the best minds in the restaurant industry to inspire you with new ways to improve your business. I'm DJ, Seven Shifts Content Writer, and today we're joined by Eric Cacciatore, host of Restaurant Unstoppable, the number one restaurant industry podcast. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Uh, dude, it's a pleasure to be here. And I, I have to point out the sirens in the background because literally before we got started, <laughs> like there might be some sirens in the background. Yeah. We record. This is this is the world of podcasting, man. It we is. Do it. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, here we go. Let's wait for that to go by. <laughs> wait for that. All right. Some some New York podcast, City, baby. Some podcast pro tips. Just roll the punches, bro. Because sometimes the world is just too much of a bastard. You just got to absolutely go. Cool. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, <laughs> jokes aside, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about the podcast and, and you know, just about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Restaurant Unstoppable podcast started in 2012 as a result of me trying to find this podcast and it not existing. And uh, that's when I discovered podcasting way back in like 2012, 2011 uh, to special thanks to a, a professor of mine who assigned it to us as a, a homework assignment. Um, he, he said, go find three podcasts. Um, on three topics that interest you and come back and report about what you learned. And the three topics at that time for me were entrepreneurism, marketing, and uh, hospitality. So as you can imagine, there were tons of entrepreneurial podcasts, tons of marketing podcasts, but there wasn't a single solid restaurant hospitality industry podcast. Yeah. So I just continued to like for a year, like check back to see if this thing was created yet. And it just wasn't created. And then I just, I, I heard a few pieces of, of of advice on the podcast that I was listening to because I was listening to, like I said, a lot of marketing and entrepreneurial podcasts, a lot of motivational, personal growth type stuff. And some of the qu the quotes I heard during my 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 you know education during this this journey I was going on. Um, and I should mention I resigned as a commercial pilot. And I was going back to school for marketing and hospitality, and um, I was working at, as the assistant winemaker um, at Jewelltown Vineyards, which is a, a small local. Uh, winery up in New Hampshire um, as the assistant winemaker. So I was locked wow. in the basement. Um, I thought I'd get into wine sales. Um, yeah. So I was locked in the basement for hours on end, just listening to, to content. And two pieces of two pieces of advice really stood out to me. Uh, the first one is if you make your life about helping enough other people get what they want, you will get anything you want in life. I can't remember who said that. I'm, I'm just sure I'm destroying it. I'm paraphrasing here. And the second. Uh, quote was if if you're looking for something and you can't find it odds are you're not alone so that was all i needed to hear to kind of have the the motivation to start my own podcast and um what i wanted you know the the vision for restaurant unstoppable was basically i, I want to take all the best parts of of the podcast i was listening to that listening to at that time, which were basically just people sharing the stories of successful individuals and how they did it and I wanted to make that for the, I wanted to create that for the restaurant industry. So, um, you know, dialing back a little bit further, my parents grew up, I grew up in the restaurant industry. My parents owned a restaurant. We had lines going out the door every weekend. We were being featured on public television for like this place you have to go to up in New Hampshire, uh, all throughout the Northeast. People would drop travel hours to come to our restaurant. Oh, wow. And I have vivid memories of my parents crying at the kitchen table, trying to figure out how they're going to pay the mortgage. So, you know, I, this podcast exists for th those small mom and pops who 
who are passionate about food, who are passionate about service, who are passionate about hospitality, but just don't know how to run a business. So really what I'm trying to do is, you know, is I'm trying to paint the picture of perfection for the restaurant industry, uh, what it takes to be successful in the industry. And I'm traveling across the nation, going face to face with some of the most badass restaurateurs out there. And I'm just saying, how did you do it? How did you get from not knowing a damn thing to being at the top of your game? Like take us on this journey with you. And that, that's what Restaurant Unstoppable is all about. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, 778 episodes, I think, almost, you know, up at that 800 mark and counting. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've probably, you know, chatted with more chefs, restaurateurs, you know, restaurant tech CEOs than, than anyone. Um, you know, and through all of that, through all those conversations, you know, what have you seen kind of be the biggest challenge restaurants are facing, you know, let's say the last year, last two years? Oh. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah. an obvious answer. COVID-19, um, just surviving. And um, honestly, it's weird because I, I really don't focus on COVID-19 um, yeah. that much anymore because I feel like if you haven't pivoted, if, if you haven't evolved, um, then you're probably not in business anymore. So really, sure. a lot of the conversation right now is, okay, let's not talk about what you should have done a year ago. Right. Let's talk about what you're doing now to recover uh, and to be the best version of yourself going into the future is a, a lot of what the conversation's about when we, when we get to current time, um, we kind of yeah. you know, leapfrog over what did you do? And we're talking more about what are you doing now? 100%. And how, how have you pivoted? How have you evolved? Yeah. You know, and I guess, you know, with, with COVID in, in the background and, you know, the restaurants that kind of made it through, I think now we're looking towards the future. Um, you know, and, and what do you, what do you see as the biggest opportunity right now in the restaurant industry and for restaurants to take advantage of? Um, there's the, it's so hard to answer that question. Cause there's just so much happening. Um, and I mean, obviously right now there's this opportunity with ghost kitchens in increasing your digital footprint. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are focusing on that. Um, honestly, when I first started hearing about ghost kitchens a year or two ago, my, my original thought was, you know, do we really, we made so much progress over the past five, 10 years of being more of a transformative industry and focusing more on the why and having purpose and yeah. um, slowing down and putting more of your, your personal brand, your more, more of your personal character into your brand. Um, and I was, I was really impressed with the progress that we were making, educating the public about where your food comes from, um, just injecting consciousness into business, yeah. really. Uh, and when I hear the words ghost kitchen back in 2018, <laughs> I'm like, all that progress we made to, to put soul into yeah. a brand, we're just like literally having like this soulless ghost kitchen situation where Absolutely. you're just slapping a brand um, and you just, you know, it's all about SEO and, and trying to be yeah. discoverable. And I get it. But at the same time, I was worried because I was like, are we going to be super soulless again? Like, what are we doing? Why are we just, right. like, are, we're doing, we're being these reactive monkeys all over again and just trying to like chase the dollar, you know? Um, I have had some people shed some perspective on me since that original thought. And I do think there's value here. And I think that you need to look at ghost kitchens as it's a, it's, and then, you know, it's, it's in, yeah. in addition to what you're doing and the most successful brands are going to continue to be themselves, but they're also going to use their assets, their kitchens to diversify and to take menu items that are already existing and yeah. then creating entire brands. I mean, it's just, it's just getting creative and it's kind of getting a little sly. Um, and I don't think that's going to replace restaurants yeah. because at the end of the day, people, you know, it's weird right now because of COVID-19. I think we're starting to come out of it, but we're social creatures. I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of years of evolution to need each other, to be next to each other, to, to look at each other, to touch each other. Um, and you can't just unevolve overnight. And, and uh, 
I think that people when it's when we give when we're given the green light, I think people are going to want to go back out. I just think that there's going to be it's just going to be a, a a more complex, a more diverse industry. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think you're just going to see ghost kitchens as like it's just going to be another segment. Yeah. Um, but I, it's also going to I mean another fear I had is that we're going to flood the market, right? Because before COVID-19, the industry was already kind of starting to cannibalize itself. Yeah. And there was this, there was this more, there were more restaurants than people could go out to eat at. And now we're just, you know, we're bringing even more options to the table for people to eat at home. Yeah. Um, just had a conversation with Ryan Grumpin the other day. We literally just recorded um, a, a workshop around ghost kitchens. And he pointed out that he thinks that this is just going to make the industry more competitive mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, the cream of the crop will rise, you know, uh, it's just going to make us all better. Um, but I think one thing that is super like hopeful is that, I mean, if this were to have happened 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you would have seen a few people that would have been first to market and they would have, they would have owned, you know, they would have, they would have owned that, that market, that industry, that vertical. But now with information being so accessible, I think that it's it's, that has leveled the playing field. Now, anybody with a restaurant EIN number business can get, you know, the information and and figure out how to start a ghost kitchen and get to work right away and literally launch a a concept in a week. So you have all these players, you know, it's not just, it's no longer pay to play. It's no longer the the privilege that have, you know, access to this information that get to be first to market and, and carve out and own an entire vertical. I think we're all rushing at the same time so I think that in a sense that it is leveling the playing field. And um, I, I, that to me is hopeful. I just hope that people choose to inject their soul into these goal kitchen, these ghost kitchens and don't yeah. just make them transactional. Um, you know, it just, it just scares me how we can hide stuff with ghost kitchens. Like we don't, we could, yeah. it, like there's this, I don't know. It's just weird. Like I liked, I like the idea of transparency and I'm not talking about like literally being able to see through a ghost transparency though, but yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's kind of baked into the into the name, right? And I think cloud kitchens, virtual restaurants sounds a little bit better. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you. I think that you know the restaurants that do are are able to inject soul into those things and and not use them as a way to kind of cloak what they're actually doing. Um, you know, if, has there been any restaurants that you know have inspired you or you know done things that are, are interesting ways of injecting that kind of soul into their digital operations? Uh there's not one that comes to mind, honestly, right now. Um, yeah. and I'll be frank, I haven't really explored the world of ghost kitchens. Um, I'm, I'm trying to plan some trips right now to Los Angeles. Cool. Uh, uh, there's a few people, a few players, their names are escaping my mind right now, but I've been, I've been active on clubhouse and kind of joining some of these conversations and, um, and there's some cool stuff happening out West. Um, yeah. I think what's really cool with ghost kitchens is this idea of franchising ghost kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you say to yourself, how do you franchise a ghost kitchen? When you look at what a franchise is, it's basically just a, spe- a specific way to do a specific thing. Yeah. And then if you find a specific way to do a specific thing with a specific brand, you can package that. And then if it's successful, you can give restaurants, anybody with a kitchen across the nation, the recipe and the brand, and they, they can, basically you can start selling franchising your recipe. That's really all it is. Cause the yeah. idea behind a ghost kitchen is really just to do one thing really well. Um, so that I think is really exciting. Um, this idea that you can have a, a unique way to do a specific thing. And if it has legs, you can take it worldwide, like in like a month because you yeah. just give people permission to sell it. So if you, if you strike gold, um, you know, like I think what's, and I'm, I'm going to again, destroy this quote, but it was, a, <laughs> it was a quote that Ryan shared with us the other day. 
when you strike gold or when you, when you hit oil, right. When you, when you drill for oil and you hit oil, you don't pull up and go 10 feet over and, and drill down again. Like you, you go deep, you know, you take that thing as far as you can and you let yeah. that thing pull. So I think that's kind of what we're going to see happening within ghost kitchens is once people realize this formula of, Oh, if I strike gold, it's, I can, you know, it's, just, it's, it's never been easier to scale something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, thinking about that, I think, you know, one thing that restaurants and, and ghost kitchens are going to need to figure out is that quality control because they don't kind of have that instrument there to, you know, that the bigger chains and the bigger franchises have to, you know, make sure everything is the same, no matter where it is. They don't have the kind of the boots on the ground if, if you know, to say, yeah. um, you know, and make sure. And I think that's maybe the biggest challenge facing that right now. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking a lot about ghost kitchens right now, but I also wanted to bring to the conversation. Um, I think there's going to be an incredible opportunity um, with brick and mortars too across yeah. the, the the nation, because you're seeing what right now, more and more people, I think people will end up going back to the cities, but I also think you, because, because of COVID-19, it's, it's literally changing the landscape of how we do business. Yeah. And I think that once thing, it's okay to go back out again, people are still going to stay in their new homes that they, people moved out of the cities. Everyone escaped the cities yeah. uh, and, and they went to smaller, medium sized cities across the nation. And those, those cities across the nations, like these, um, I don't know, like I'm trying to think like your, what are name some medium sized cities out there? Um, like, uh, Columbus, Ohio, Columbus, uh, Ohio, Boise, Idaho, Boise, um, Oklahoma city, Tulsa, yeah. Manchester, New Hampshire, Lewiston, Maine, like these cities that, that in like the beginning of like the, the 20th century were at their you know peak. But then with the 21st century, by that time, everyone had left to go to the Boston's, the New York cities, the San Francisco's, the Los Angeles's, the Dallas's, because that's where the opportunity was. Yeah. But the thing is, we don't need to be physically present in these cities anymore to have opportunity because we've proven that we can work remotely and spread out. Yeah. So I think you're going to see people spreading out. And I think that these these markets um, are going to boom. These medium to small size cities are going to boom. And I think people are going to be much happier. We're yeah. starting to real, we're starting to learn so much about the human psyche and what we need to be happy. And I love anthropology. I love, I think the future is all about the past. We're going to, we're figuring out so much about what we need to be happy. Um, and a lot of that is just better relationships. So when you spread out and you have fewer people to, to bump up against, you go deeper into those, those relationships. And I, I think that, um, that's just been missing, especially in big cities. There's just so many people. We can only handle about 150 relationships, but yeah. we're, we, we're stacked on top of each other. So I think by spreading out, um, we're going to be much happier. Um, we're going to be able to spread the money that we're making much further. So that means people will have more excess income to spend on food and going out. And they're going to be like, this is way better than being on top of each other in New York city, Manhattan. Like I can live in Manchester, New Hampshire, spread, spread my daughter or, uh, stretch my dollar twice as far and yeah. have a better quality of life. So, and be happier. So I think that's a big part of it too. That's really exciting. Yeah. hundred percent. And these people moving out from the big cities are kind of, they're taking their money and they're taking their, their tastes with them as well. Yeah, um, exactly. You know? and, and information and knowledge is spreading across the industry faster than ever before. So high quality restaurants are everywhere now. And I kind of joke, like, I think like the James Beard awards are bullshit now because <laughs> there's so much talent everywhere. Like, how can you yeah. say like, this is the best one in the Northeast. Like yeah. there's so much talent everywhere. Um, and the bar is being risen across the boards. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And one more point um, in the big cities. And I know you want to make this a short episode, but in the big cities, <laughs> um, you're going to see that all these big corporate office offices are being, they're, they're empty. Yeah. And you're going to see all these. So I think, 
cities are going to be a lot more younger people and you're going to see a lot more affordable housing go into place in in where all these empty corporate offices are there's there's cafeterias um and i think you're going to see restaurants moving into these cafeterias and serving and using the space for repurposing it for affordable living and then it's going to be like a like a micro community in that building where you can go meet other people who live there and be social so i think there's like literally like going to be a boom of opportunity it's just about perspective and making the most of a crappy situation um absolutely so yeah is that all of our time <laughs> no we have we have a few more we got a few more okay. minutes um yeah i mean if, if you know i know one of your goals is is to open a restaurant um yeah. if you had to choose one city right now to open a restaurant where would you go oh man that's a tough question um there's a lot of variables that come into play and um if i were to open a restaurant tomorrow it wouldn't be um the traditional approach yeah um i i would probably partner with people who've had a huge Im, you know, influence on me or who i've just think are like the the bee's knees right and i would invest in their vision and their in their skills um so my vision for opening a restaurant is literally like finding a badass chef and am i yeah. i'm sorry this is a very professional podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for no you're good words um finding a chef in a, an operator who has just impressed me in saying, Hey, like I have this incredible asset. I have this, this podcast where, um, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are listening who are passionate about the industry. And I want to do like kind of like open book management where I yeah. say, okay, so I'm going to open a restaurant and here's exactly how we're going to do it. And here's, here are the tools and services that we're using in the restaurant. And here's the, the, the impact that this is making on the restaurant. And here are the, uh, leadership techniques we're using and here's our, here are our core values and here's our vision. And I just want to teach, I want to use the restaurants that I'm partnering with to teach the rest of the world, how we're doing it. That's, that's my vision. And I'm scared crap saying this out loud because (laughs) now I have to do it. Um, but it's part of, you know, you got to put it out into the universe. Like, and hopefully by putting, I don't know who these people are yet, Right. But hopefully by putting it out there, uh, some people will start approaching me and, uh, options start to, you yeah, know, get better. Um, but I mean, there's no way I can do the podcast and <laughs> open a restaurant at the same time. So there's probably going to be some type of, type of collaboration of sorts. I don't know yeah. if I'm answering your question right now. No, no, you totally are. Um, you know, it's interesting after you've spoken to so many people in the industry, you know, to get you a picture of, of what you, how you would go about it. Um, you know, kind of learning from the mistakes of hundreds of other people. Um, and I think that's super valuable. Um, you know, what can, I guess, you know, my last question would just be, you know, restaurants right now, they made it through the pandemic They're you know, they figured it out, they adapted, they did everything they can do, um, you know, but looking towards the future, you know, what restaurants look like in five years, what's one thing restaurants can do right now to make sure that they're ready for, for anything coming up? Hmm. One thing they can do right now to make sure that they're ready for what's coming up. Um, you can't do it alone. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the, the days of a single person being the shot caller, the, the days of command and control and dictatorship within the restaurant industry um, to be competitive. Cause like I said, like the bar is being raised across the industry. Yeah. Um, people, the, the options for people to get food are diversifying. And if you're going to be the best, you need to be a, a great leader. You need to learn how to surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak. And you really have to increase your social and emotional intelligence to be able to work in teams of people. Um, so I'd say right now, just start taking a, um, you know, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, 
servant leadership approach to your business and using, looking at your business as a way to create opportunities for others and uh, leaning on the, the strengths and the talents of the people that you would be paying, like that you would just in the past have hired and been like, Hey, your job is to put the tortilla on the heater and then pass it to that person um, to put the meat on the tortilla. All those people have special strengths. And I think that it's the, it's going to be the, the operators that tap into this potential and create opportunity for these people to, you can start doing that today because it's going to be a very competitive landscape. And um, if you can tap into the talent of everybody on your team and create those, those opportunities, I think you'll go much further together. So I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. That's perfect. I mean, and that's, I think something that anyone can take to their restaurant, you know, right now, this hour, this, this minute, and just, you know, make sure that they're investing in the people that they have. And, you know, like you said, I think it's going to become a much more competitive industry, um, you know, and it's going to be seen as more of a skilled labor kind of industry than it ever was before. Yeah. Um, you got to do more than ever before the, to be competitive and you won't be able to do it by yourself. Um, and you'll, you honestly, you'll have much more fun doing it with yeah. other people. I mean, you could yeah. eat an entire pie to yourself, but I mean, the whole fun, the whole point of the, the, the fun part about making a pie isn't eating it. It's sharing it, you Absolutely. know? So, um, <laughs> just having that mentality, uh, of sharing, um, and knowing that you can go further together, um, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't think of a better note to end it on. Um, Beautiful. yeah, I mean, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to share? Yeah. So, um, with COVID-19, uh, things got tough for restaurant unstoppable. Uh, basically all my sponsors were like, Hey, we're not, we're not making money anymore because all these restaurants shut down. So we can't sponsor you. Uh, so I had to figure out, I basically had all my eggs into one basket and I just, you know, and I had known in the back of my mind that I was going to have to diversify eventually. Um, so COVID-19 was kind of the kick in the fanny I needed to, um, brought, you know, diversify my, my platform and to really take restaurant unstoppable to the next level. And that manifested in the form of restaurant unstoppable network, which is essentially my approach to slowing down into going deeper. So over the past, you know, 10 years or over the previous seven years, I was just trying to make an example as many people as possible. And I'm still doing that, but I'm slowing down a little bit, putting out less content, but I'm going deeper. The show's nice. longer now. Yeah. Uh, I'm really just diving in and I'm not in a rush and I'm really looking to make relationships. And then I'm inviting these people to Restaurant Unstoppable Network. So as I'm connecting with these restaurateurs, I'm saying, hey, come join my network. And now I'm literally connecting my most loyal listeners uh, in the network with my restaurant tours and the tools and services that they're recommending and restaurant unstoppable is just taking a much more journalistic approach of showing your work. So, okay, you're, you're recommending all these things. Let's go to those things you're recommending, learn more about them. And I'm just kind of like organizing the content much better and making it much more digestible. So if you're a listener of the show and you want to connect with the people I'm, I'm featuring on the show and to learn about the tools and services that are being recommended, we're just going deep and I'm taking you with me. And uh, it, that's, that's my new project. Um, head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com if you want to awesome. come hang out. Uh, and thank you if you do. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not listening to Restaurant Unstoppable, you absolutely should. Yes. Um, it's on Spotify, everywhere kind of podcasts are sold these days. Um, yeah. You know, is there anywhere else people can find you? Find me on Instagram. Um, you can hit me up at Eric Cacciatore, and that's E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E. You can hashtag Restaurant Unstoppable if you want, or shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Thanks for tuning into the Seven Shifts Audio Series Interview Edition. You can find more great insights about the industry at our blog or join our community on Facebook, The Tip Jar. Find these links and more in the show notes. Until next time.